Welcome to the Cross Screen and In Between podcast, brought to you by Evoquip. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Crush Screen and In Between podcast, brought to you by Evoquip. My name is Declan, and today I'm here in the office by myself, but don't worry, today we have a special treat for you. The Evoquip team recently travelled to Las Vegas to attend the Con Expo show. And while we were there, we had the good fortune of interviewing our friends from JCB to talk about their hydrogen engines. Our very own Barry O'Hare and Andrew Armstrong sat down with John Kavanagh, Group Communications Director, and Ryan Ballard, Engineering Director for Powertrain at JCB. So, without further delay, I'll hand you over to the guys as they took time out from a BusyCon Expo show to record this podcast. Hi all, Andrew here. Um, we've left the Terex stand um, out of the rain today, the bit of sun, so we've made our way into the inside here with JCB. Um, we have John Cavada and Ryan Ballard here. Um, thanks guys for your time. Um, do you want to introduce yourselves and tell yeah, us what sure, you do? Sure, yeah, yeah, happy to be here. So, so I'm Ryan Ballard. I'm, um, I'm Engineering Director for Powertrain at JCB. Um, so, so that's looking all, after all the powertrain stuff obviously so that's our engines our drive line so that's our axles and gearboxes uh, and also the power generation side of our business so we've got a pretty big range of uh, power gen now so yeah been been with JCB for oh, let's see 12 years now um, always been in the sort of engine and transmissions game through my whole career and okay. uh, and obviously now we've got some really exciting stuff going on with our hydrogen engine as well so yeah great to be here you're, you're very busy then uh, very very busy yeah yeah always busy but but yeah busier than ever at the moment and good. lots and lots going on good, good. i'm john Kavanagh. i'm group communications director for, for jcb so i cover all uh press and pr activities for the company among other things uh, i've been heavily involved in the hydrogen project from a communications perspective from uh, from day one uh, i know that we'll share some of what we've been doing over that period very shortly, but it's a hugely exciting project to be in, especially given it's about the future and changing how we operate, not just as a company, but as a, as a world population in pursuit of net zero. Yeah. I suppose that is the drive, is the net zero and, and um, the drive to do that and that hydrogen is so exciting. Um, and we've seen a lot of publicity about it you know, over the past while and, and you know, we've seen the engine here. Um, you know, it's one of JCB forefront and the hydrogen engine. Um, and in your opinion, you know, would you believe hydrogen uh, is much better than, let's say, a full electric or, or, or battery celled? Um, um, I think I think our view. I, I mean, what I would say is that we're we're agnostic to the technology in many respects. So so we absolutely recognise as everybody does, there's an urgent need to start to do something about CO2 emissions. Um, and we often remark within the company that, you know, it's a climate change emergency, mm-hmm. so you need to re- respond with urgency <laughs> to, that, to that situation. And um, so we're agnostic to the technology that we want to, to, to use to, to fulfill that aim. Um, and, and we have battery electric products out now with customers, you know, and we, we launched our first one some years ago with our compact excavator. Um, and we've got seven different products in the market now. So we've got telehandlers, dumpers, uh, the excavator, scissor lift, et cetera, et cetera, and, and more coming as well. Um, but what we've learned through, through, through creating those products and, and working with customers who use them is there becomes a, a bit of a limit on a, on a construction site. And it's a kind of a limit that's made up of several different factors. There's, there's the sort of the, 
size and, and, and mass and energy usage required by the machine. And, and then there's the, also the situation of where it's located. So if your machine is small enough and you're not using too much energy and you've got good access to charging infrastructure, batteries are fine and they make mm. great sense. But you, we, we reach this thing that we call a job site limit, where above that, you, it, you, you know, you haven't got access to infrastructure, and you end up with this perverse situation where you have to hire in a diesel generator <laughs> to yeah. charge the your electric machines, and you just think, well, this is just crazy. So, so, you know, we wouldn't turn around and say it's, you know, it's electric or hydrogen. Mm -hmm. It's electric and hydrogen. hydrogen. They're complementary technologies, and and as one starts to become limited on the electric range, that's when hydrogen can really come to the fore, it's mobile, you can take the fuel to the machine, you can quickly replenish its energy, you know, refill it, recharge it, if you like, in minutes rather than hours. Um, and that's for, that for us is why we're so excited about the potential of the technology, you know, it's that yeah. complementary nature to it. Yeah, it's interesting that they, 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 you, you talk about there, them complementing each other, yeah. I suppose it's just getting that balance of you know, the size and there's probably, is there probably like a weight size that, that sort of determines once you, you, you know, batteries do become uh, you know, efficient after mm. a certain weight size and, mm. and, and that's then where, where your hydrogen comes in. But it's, yeah. it's forced us to make a, an assessment uh, of how long each of our machines actually do run mm. during the working day mm -hmm. because the compact equipment we know from our telematics data from our system called LiveLink, they work you know, two or three hours a day really. Mm. Um, and don't require as much energy as a 20 ton excavator, which quite often is running at least eight hours a day, but quite often 16 because they're often double shifted. Yeah. So, to, so we, 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 we did that analysis to say, you know, our, our small, you know, compact excavator, as John says, might do two or three hours a day, and, and on board it's got you know, 25 kilowatt hours of energy stored on board. And then if you extrapolate that to a 20 tonner now running for 16 hours a day, you now need a thousand kilowatt hours of battery, which yeah. is ten tons of battery and a cost that's just frightening. And then you've got to recharge it as well. So, and this is where it doesn't scale as you might think it it would. And right now, the grid doesn't allow you to recharge it in a quarry. Uh, you're too far away from a central power source, which brings us back to Ryan's point about needing a diesel generator, which makes no sense. Yeah, it totally defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's actually, it's I mean, it's actually even less efficient, you know, because you, you've got. You're burning diesel to generate electricity to charge a battery to run an excavator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And on top of that, do you actually have enough time after the 16 hours of work mm. to charge it? Yeah, yeah. And that, because you, yeah. you want to start again yeah. next morning fairly early. Yeah, and you have to be cognizant of that and, and the customer's requirements mm. of, as you say, you know, the site starts at six, seven thirty in the morning. And yeah, you have to have uh, yeah. that. Uh, charging time. And I suspect it's also, it's not my area of expertise, but it would also require a big cultural change among users to actually consciously plug it in mm. at night before leaving the site. Because mm -hmm. right now I think the door is closed, locked and yeah. Yeah. goes home. Forgot yeah. about yeah. Uh, until, yeah. until the next morning. Or, I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, or you get back the next morning, you did plug it in, but it stopped charging for some reason overnight. Uh, so there's so many, so many problems with it. So, and, so for us, really, it just it just didn't make sense. Um, doesn't make sense to, to us. The physics gets in the way. It's it's, it's not an opinion basis. It's a physics yeah. problem, really, yeah. in a way. And 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 that led us on to 
You know, we need a mobile fuel source, which is what we have today with diesel, but we don't like the carbon in the diesel. Mm-hmm. You know, diesel's a hydrocarbon. So, well, what if you take the carbon out? Well, that leaves you with hydrogen. Well, let's just use hydrogen then. So, you know, that's where, that's where you know, the, the journey, if you like, as to, to, to how we got to, to that conclusion. Um, and then it's all about how do you use that hydrogen? Which, you know, we experimented with fuel cells. Um, when we first looked at hydrogen, everyone said, well, fuel cells, it's the obvious answer. Um, and we're a company that loves to experiment. You know, that's how we innovate. We build machines, we experiment, we learn. Um, and, and we built um, our first hydrogen fuel cell excavator uh, some years ago. Um, that was a small fuel cell and we had to have lots and lots of batteries on the machine to complement the fuel cell. And we learned a lot with that. And then you know, just prior to the COVID pa- pandemic in sort of 2019, we built our second 20 ton, sort of second generation fuel cell machine, if you like. And that had a much, much better suited fuel cell, a bigger fuel cell, more powerful. Um, but even with that on board, we still have to have a very complicated electrical architecture. Mm-hmm. Very, very expensive lithium titanate batteries that you have to cool, you know, pumping water through a battery. And, 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 and we learned that the fuel cell, fantastic as it is, it, it's, it's got some vulnerabilities and, and some limitations. You know, they don't like dust, don't like vibration. They don't like any kind of contaminant in the air, you know, so... And in our, in our environment, that's very difficult to work around. Exactly. For, for obvious reasons. Exactly. And, and you, as soon as you start to list those limitations to anyone in the off-highway or construction industry, everyone instantly realises that's every job site in the world that we're talking that's, that's about. what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. That, that's our... They're that's dusty. Our They're, there's contamination, there's vibration, there's temperature, and, and all of those things just limit the... the, the, the know applicability of of, uh, of a fuel cell um, so so you know so that kind of then made us think well how else can we use hydrogen and can we use it in an engine and and, and so we uh, we thought we'd have a go at that and, and see what we could do um, which has got us to where we are now we've got to tell the guys about the chairman's challenge yeah so so I mean this was all happening right in the thick of COVID I suppose and, and um, so we presented this conclusion back to our chairman in the, in the middle of 2020 um, and and we said well you know maybe we could have a go with a hydrogen engine we're not sure but we, you know and he, he um, uh, characteristically of our chairman you know he's always very ambitious and great sense of urgency and he he keeps us all on our toes so he said right well okay that's fine this was July 2020 if you think you can do it I want a running engine for Christmas Oh. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at no all. Pressure so, at all. So, That's Christmas the same year. Christmas the same year. Yeah. The same year. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, credit to the team. You know, we pulled together. We worked out how we were going to do it, and, and we had our first hydrogen engine running on December seventh, twenty twenty. So just ahead of just Christmas, ahead, yeah. just ahead. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Five o'clock. Yeah, you know, it was a all night to get it running, but uh, but we got it running. So, um, and since then we've gone on to to develop the engine and perfect it. Um, but the, the, the crucial element to our engine and, and the thing that you know, really I think makes our approach somewhat different to people that did it 20, 30 years ago is that we've not converted an existing engine. You know, we looked at that, we thought about that, we looked at how, what other people had done before. Mm-hmm. In fact, we looked at 76 different examples of people's previous attempts. And every time people had 
converted a, a, an engine, normally yeah. a petrol engine, and and for us that's like thinking, well, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't put petrol in a diesel engine or diesel in a petrol engine and expect it to work very well. Yeah. So converting a petrol engine or even a diesel engine to hydrogen just, just doesn't work very well. Um, so so we went back to the drawing board and, and completely, you know, re reimagined the engine and, and redeveloped it from back from first principles and and you know lowered the temperature of the combustion process, lowered the pressure of the combustion process, um, spent, you know, I won't tell you how many hours and iterations perfecting the mixing and the, and the performance of the, of the combustion inside the engine to, to give us a, you know, a really fantastic product now that, that's, that's got all of the same characteristics of the engine it replaces the diesel engine in terms of power and torque and transient response and even the size, the physicality of the engine is exactly the same. We've kept the, you know, the size and shape of the engine so that it's a plug and play in our chassis and architectures. Yeah. Um, but but crucially, it's it's, it's zero carbon. You know. And I suppose that's important for customers, you know, customer buy-in that that it's not, you know, it's not different, completely different. It, it's still in the same, you know, space envelope as as what the current diesel one is. Is important part. Absolutely, you know, we recognise straight away for our own products and for OEM customers that you know we, we can't compre comprehend even retooling our chassis. Yeah. You know, our backhoe loader is quite a narrow chassis because of the loader arms, so we had to keep the engine width the same as it yeah. was, and the length and the bonnet height for visibility, um, and and it, and, it, and we've achieved exactly that. You know, we set out with that as our ambition, and, and we've stuck to it. So. Um, it's a really straightforward, you know, in and out. Well, that's not something we've just done for hydrogen. We've always tried to, yeah. every iteration of engine, we've always tried to make sure that it goes into the, exactly the same chassis. Yes, yeah. With yeah, no engine, with no machine redesign necessary. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and that was an important, even going back to our diesel products, you know, our stage five products, yeah. we saw a lot of our competitors, you know, with the extra after treatment, we were seeing bulges on tops of, bonnets and and it's you know terrible for sight lines and and you know and, and people's wheelbases getting longer and which is bad for maneuverability so so again you know the JCB approach is always to be different mm -hmm. and so right we're not going to extend our wheelbase we're not going to have bulges and bits sticking out here there and everywhere we're going to keep it all within the existing engine pods and the engine bays and make a really super compact uh, approach, you know, for stage five, yeah. and, and and a lot of that learning and that approach and that paradigm, if you like, of, of thinking in that way is what we've been able to apply to our hydrogen engine. And it's always our our mantra of you know we're always very innovative and we always want to do something, I guess, a bit different. You know, we yeah. look at what other people do and we look at the compromises that they accept and we think, well, that's probably not the right thing for us. We're going to be we don't want to accept those compromises. Yeah, yeah, you're not you. You want to you want to go a step further and right, yeah. uh, and take it to the next level essentially. And there is a, a, obviously a lot of innovation. You know, mm -hmm. Here we, we see that with a with a hydrogen engine at the moment. So and then Christmas came around quite quickly, didn't it? It did. It did. Yeah. So so yeah. So we had our you know we we we, we developed that first engine for 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 that Christmas 2020, um, and and since then, you know we've been. We've gone through several iterations now of that original mm -hmm. engine, and, and we're now on our sort of our pre-production phase of development. We've built more than 50 prototype engines. Um, I'm really quite excited by the fact we're now building the prototype engines 
down the same production line as we build our diesel engines on. Okay. So these are now production line built. They're pre-prods, but, but they're production line built. Um, again, you contrast that with a fuel cell, yeah. where you think, we well, can't build a fuel cell down an engine line. <laughs> so, 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 you know, we've... we've the infrastructure doesn't have to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the infrastructure yeah. doesn't have to yeah. change at all, which is you know key for you for, for your operations and yeah, oh, simplicity yeah. is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's also really important for the for the end users and our customers. Um, guys want to be able to work on and service a product and yeah, and as we said earlier, sometimes in the middle of a quarry and you know you, it's not always ideal. And, and if you you lift the bonnet and it's a, it still looks like an engine, it is an engine. Some of the parts are different. Um, we haven't got a diesel system anymore. Mm. I think a lot of people will be pleased by that. You know, yeah. diesel systems are always difficult. You know, you have to keep them so clean, and um, so that's gone. And we've got our hydrogen injectors, which are pretty straightforward. We've got spark plugs, so it's the first time we've worked with spark plugs. <laughs> but, but, but the operator in the car does not no. make any difference. Exactly, yeah. and that's key too, because sometimes when 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 you bring out something new and, and you know, end of it. Customers sometimes shy away from it because it is so new and it is yeah. so different from from what they're used to. But when you can bring out something new but keep it as close to what they know already, yeah. it makes it a lot easier yeah. and it makes the challenge um, somewhat easier. Yeah, that's the only difference is when it comes to refueling. Yeah, the refueling process is slightly different, but again, it's 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 sort of familiar in a way. So we have a. You know, it's a lovely kind of, a, it's a, you know, a, a lovely nozzle that kind of goes into the side of the, the you know, the machine. There's a filling port there and you turn a lever and it all kind of, it does its, it, it looks after itself at that point mm-hmm. onwards. It's just hands off, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it all happens quite quickly. You know, it, it, it'll refill a backhoe loader or a telehandler in six or seven minutes from empty. So. And what is that like in comparison to... You know, filling it with diesel is, is it is that quicker? Yeah, fifty like percent quicker. It's, it's broadly the same. So you know, to, to fill up the tank on a diesel, you know, it, for us we talk in a few minutes, and and you know the big contrast there is you know again back to the electric examples where even with a you know super super fast charger you're still going to be plugged in for hours, hours yeah. um, as soon as you know five minutes ten minutes to, to, to refill your machine is, is is absolutely fine there's no comparison really is no, there yeah. no but what I would say is crucially and, and this is really important to us we've 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 designed our machines in such a way that we still do a full day shift so that's an eight-hour shift between refills which has been really you know we're doing the same on our, our electric machines our compact electric machines that you know they'll do a full day mm-hmm. shift between charges um, because it's important that we don't inconvenience our customers and have to have lots of stops every, you know, so many hours. It's uh, as much as possible. It's, it's keeping that inconvenience down. And, and, and on that, how much of a challenge is the infrastructure on your hydrogen? Is, is it, and how do you see that developing over the years? Um, well, I think I think it's, it's it's really encouraging actually the signs that we're seeing now in terms of that infrastructure development. Um, there's huge investments going in everywhere really mm-hmm. so um, here in the states we've seen you know the recent uh, inflation reduction act and, and various other stim- you know acts of you know come from the from the US government stimulating mm-hmm. investment in hydrogen um, the, the hydrogen shot that's been launched which is to get you know uh, hydrogen to one dollar for one kilogram within the next decade okay. um, and there's subsidies out there now what that's really stimulating is these billions of dollars of, of, of stimulus is starting to 
obviously encourage companies to invest mm. and, and, and make hydrogen production facilities. There's one that not that far away from us now in Las Vegas, just to the north, you know, Air Liquide have got a, a plant. So we're starting to see that build and grow. So you've got it in the States, the same's happening in Europe. Yeah. India, it's a massive market for JCB. And, and India are really excited by that prospect of being energy independent. Yeah. India import all of their gas and oil today. Yeah. And, and to make hydrogen, all you really need is plenty of sunshine. Mm-hmm. You've got which, quite a lot of that. There's a lot of it there, yeah. So. Um, some water, of which, you know, there's a whole coastline there. So, um, and, and suddenly you, you can be energy independent. So, so there's, again, huge infrastructure build-up you know, in, in key territories really around the globe. Yeah, I, think, I think it's fair to say we're a lot more confident now in 2023 about the infrastructure or the future prospects for infrastructure than we were at the end of 2020 mm. and in early 2021 when we started all this. Because from our perspective, um, we've proven it works, not just in an engine test cell, but in machines. We sell over 100,000 machines a year so if you start doing the mathematics and uh, compute forward how much hydrogen would be need, needed to power um, many machines, um, we're almost making a signal to the world that there is a demand mm. for hydrogen to do this and this alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other industries doing other things with hydrogen, but certainly from our perspective, we're creating some demand and it's now over to policymakers to fix the infrastructure problem yeah. Yeah. because... It's not our area, but the production, distribution, and storage of hydrogen yeah. needs to be sorted before any of this can happen in earnest. And mm-hmm. as Ryan said, everything we're seeing at the moment, in both in EU, North America, uh, and in the UK, maybe to a lesser extent in the UK compared with North America, but it's, 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 heading, it's heading in the right direction. And The talking appears to be yeah. beginning to stop, and investment does appear mm-hmm. to be... Sorry. There's actions. There's actions now. There's 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 definite actions, and you know, Germany has got you know 120 hydrogen filling stations up and running now. Uh, Texas, there's 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 you know multiple you know stations in Texas. California has got a lot. So you're starting to see it build, um, and and like anything, it actually still starts to self perpetuate a little bit. So once it starts, it, it quickly gains quickly its own gains. momentum, and, mm-hmm. and that's important because. Customers, users of equipment, need the confidence of knowing there will be a fuel supply if they're going to go down this this road with with JCB in, in this instance. Because ultimately, there will be a change of behaviour required by operators, operators and users, customers. Yeah. You guys would need to have some hydrogen uh, fueling stations mm. um, to operate your business, but you wouldn't do that unless you were confident that further up up the stream mm. uh, the that the infrastructure is there and yeah. the supply is there. Yeah, and that's key. And, and and obviously, you know, recognising infrastructure and filling stations is one thing, but, you know, none of our equipment goes to a filling station to be refilled. So yeah. so, so we've um, we've thought about that and, and, and we've started to develop a, uh, or have developed a, a hydrogen filling tanker, if you like, a, you know, a hydrogen bowser um, that goes on the back of a, a, one of our fast track tractors uh, that we've, again, is powered by a hydrogen engine as a fuel as a refueler um, and what that allows is that you know one of these hydrogen cubes will hold enough hydrogen to, to refill 16 backhoe loaders so you can drop that off at site or, and, or, or you can transport it around your site on the back of the fast track 
um, and and you can hook them up and refill them and you know and you can stack these you can transport them on the back of a lorry to site if needs be or move them around um, and, and our vision is that you know you would have two or three of these perhaps on your hydrogen site and you take them off and then when it's empty you it's, it's, it's on a kind of exchange basis, so you know that, that, that's taken away the empty one and a full one replaces it. Or equally, um, a, a fuel um, uh, what do you call them? tube trailer, tube trailer hydrogen yeah. tube trailer, like a forty-foot tube trailer would, would come in and deliver mm. deliver the bulk to the smaller refuelers and job done. Yeah, okay. everyone carries on working. Yeah, and it just gives that again that mobile solution. Yeah, analogous to what we do with diesel today. You know, we often have bulk storage on site and then a smaller tanker that takes it around to... It depends on the size yeah. of the site, yeah. obviously. You know. Obviously, we don't make refuelers. We don't make Bowsers, no, for example, no, no. but we wanted to prove to customers or prospective customstrimers that it can work. The possibility's there and, and, and we prove it out, yeah. So yeah. I suppose that's key to, again, engagement from, from end users yeah. and confidence from end users yeah. and customers. Yeah, yes. and it comes back to... You know, it's the same. It's the same logic of, of saying, well, you know, we absolutely don't want to change the characteristics of the engine because we don't want the customer to have to deal with any inconvenience or change of behaviour. And it's the same logic on the refueling and the filling. It's absolutely fine. It's, it's there's no problem. You just turn up, regas, you take it on, regas the next machine, the next machine. Similar to today, only exactly. with a different uh, yeah. different fuel source. Yeah. And, and, and the nice thing with hydrogen is you can't spill it on your boots. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and users will like that one. Yeah, well, I, this is, that, I mean, that, that's um, genuine, isn't it? The amount of, of well, we all know, you know, construction sites, fuel spills is a real big problem. Yeah, yeah ground contamination. You know, uh, it's not just the inconvenience of spilling your fuel, then you've got to excavate the ground and send it off for processing. And, you know, it's a huge problem. So yeah. that just goes completely. With it's an added benefit. It is an added it's benefit. An added I benefit, think it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, since, since we started the um, uh, the PR effort around this, which is obviously my area, um, it's created a huge interest among customers, particularly those that have environmental, social, and governmental targets around hitting certain emissions levels, because they can see now a possible solution. And I think it's fair to say that they'd like hydrogen engines sooner rather than later. That's been the overwhelming response from everybody: is just how soon can we have okay. one, please? <laughs> Which is great. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice position to be in, and um, and we're pushing on now. We're, we're we're working towards releasing our own products towards the end of this year. So that you know, that's the telehandler. It's a, we've got a generator as well, and and the um, and the backhoe, obviously the iconic JCB yeah. product, um, and then and then obviously we can start to engage with lots of other people about you know helping them with a hydrogen engine. Is it, you touched on, on the regions there, is the demand across different regions, is, it, is there ones ahead of others, is, is the ESA ahead of Europe, I know you mentioned India, or is it, is it consistent across I, regions? It's, it's, it, I would say it's reasonably consistent, I think the, the, the lead territories uh, tend to be Europe and, and North America, um, India, um, think you know the, the, the government is starting to wake up to the you know and they're making this huge investment and there's and there's lots of initiatives being kicked off in India you um, know in, in in Europe North America um, a lot of our business is derived from rental companies mm. um, which is which is a fairly international uh, model of, of, of how equipment is 
construction made available. In general. Mm. Yeah, um, and I think it's fair to say that they're, they're driving it. To, they to really drive it hard. Yeah. Okay. Now that yeah. in India doesn't really have the same sort of structure of rental companies, so yeah. it's a bit more contractor-based there. It tends to be owner-operators more mm. predominantly. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that's got us excited, we're really, we're really encouraged by the, the, you know, the government infrastructure investments that are going on there. I, was, I visited India last month and uh, it was just hydrogen, 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 Every, you know, yeah. really encouraging. The excitement's there. And yeah, the excitement there, and even... The government are on board, they have, yeah. they have a hydrogen strategy. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose that's key with having the government on board because Absolutely. it's them that really drives that, yeah. you know, and whether they provide incentives or, or you know, that that's their their goal. Mm. The, the thing to remember about India is they import virtually all of their energy, yeah, in the form of oil or other other energy sources. They're not self-sufficient, self-sufficient. by any, by any measure, uh, but they can see the opportunity of being self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, huge potential for them to grow their economy even faster by even being for, yeah. energy independent. Something that they can control themselves. Yeah, and it's got this obviously, you know, massive benefit of being, you know, CO two, yeah. zero CO two. Yeah. So, um, so which is great, absolutely, absolutely. great. I suppose we, we've talked a bit about uh, hydrogen, but if we go back to the diesel, because the diesel is mm. here now, you know, what is the, you know, is, is there any latest innovations that you have? Um, you know, with your current diesel engines to make them more environmentally friendly. So, I mean, our focus on the last, you know, for the last few years really is all been about emissions um, from a from an air quality perspective. So, you know, NOx and particulates and, and hitting those, um, you know, various different stage, you know, stage four, stage five, etc. Um, and but what we've, which we've obviously done, you yeah. know, and that's that's uh, that, that's clear, but. We've also concentrated on making sure that we improve the efficiency of our engines at each and every one of those steps. Again, ultimately the end customer probably isn't that bothered whether they've got stage five or not, but they are bothered if they've got a 5% fuel economy benefit. Absolutely. So, so, so we've, what we've wanted to do and we have done at every step is to go, well, let's look at the, the engine. You know, where can we make... And it is marginal gains on an engine. Yeah. You know that is the gain that you're in, mm-hmm. really. So it's looking at friction, it's looking at pumping losses, and it's all about making the engine as efficient as it can be. Mm-hmm. We're always on that trade-off between deploy. You know, there's lots of really advanced technology that you can deploy to improve engine efficiency further, but some of that technology is is probably not appropriate for our industry. And you might see some of it on some of the big heavy-duty trucks, so the, mm-hmm. the HGVs. But when you try to transfer that across to an off-highway situation, it comes back to what you were saying earlier. It's a rough, tough environment. Yeah. The, the, the customers need and have to be able to service those machines in situ, in, in that rough, tough environment. Um, so, you know, so some of that you know, is, is, is not applicable. So, so we concentrate on the basics. So we look at the friction, we look at the oils, we look at the as I say, the pumping losses within the engine. Um, we also concentrate a lot on our driveline. So, you know, we, we look at the, again, the viscosity and the pumping going on there and, and, and the friction in the seals. And so it's a, it's a whole, you know, you know sort of aggregate, if you like, of lots and lots of marginal gains to, yeah. to get Small those. steps to get to Yeah, to and bigger. each and every one of them on their own might not seem quite that significant, but when you summate them all together, you end, up, you end up with a, a, yeah. a substantial saving. Uh, and we're always we're always looking at that and and we've we've 
there's some definitely some things that we'll be looking at over the next few years. I can't go into too much yeah. details now, but but you know, rest assured, you know, our uh, we'll continue to make our diesel engines more efficient. And the really exciting thing for me is all of that stuff that we do on a hydrogen engine or a diesel engine, in terms of efficiency, you can you can implement it on yeah. both. So it's complementary. And, and it's fair to say also, Ryan, it's not that f since all this started really in earnest in 2010, we've taken 50% correct carbon out of the uh, yeah. Out of the machines, it's a big jump. And it's a huge jump. So we've obsessed about efficiency as a company. Yeah. That's the diesel max, isn't it? The diesel it's, max percent reduction. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it, I mean, but it comes from the whole machine, and, yeah. and it's a, and it's a, you know, a, a holistic approach yeah. to obsessing about efficiency at every step. But of perversely, we're not measured. We were, we were never measured on CO two. No. The measurement was always on air quality, NOx in particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But still, that's a, that's a benefit we've mm. been able to give our customers, saving them fuel, saving them. Money, and, and we can prove that we've seen it because we have our live link system um, that John mentioned earlier, our telematics. Five hundred thousand so machines. Got five hundred thousand now. Out so there. you have live data, live data, real time, real -time, real -time data, data from half a million machines. Lots of data. And well, we're swimming in data. <laughs> but, but but the lovely part of that is when you want to understand the, you know, the, the fuel used day by day, mm -hmm. and then you plot that trend from 2010 to 2020 to 2023. You can see that that, that the decrease in it, yeah, mm -hmm. um, by 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 machine yeah. type, yeah. and it's great, you know, as you say, the, the number of machines via your telematic system mm -hmm. that now you have the access to do that, yeah, uh, and you know have that live real time information. You know, where you go back years ago, where you hadn't got that, and you you're relying on on you know, like in house field data. Yeah, um, so and, our, and our customers love it because obviously that that telematics, you know, we use it ourselves, but really it's a customer tool, yeah. so they can see where them. You know, if you're a rental operator, you can see where all your machines are. You know, when they need a service. You know, if you're managing a site, you can see which machines are more productive than others. You know, and you can. Manage your site accordingly. Yeah. It, it just gives which ones are idle. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so which ones are running so lunch time time with the heater on? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It allows the owner, yeah, to be to be more efficient, doesn't it? Correct. Really? Exactly. It gives him that opportunity to be, to be yeah. more efficient with his machines. Yeah. And equipment. Yeah. And you can geofence as well, so you can say this machine can't go outside this particular area, mm. which is very useful. It, especially as a rental tool, you know, and, and as a. That, that definitely has a sellable benefit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic tool, and our engineers love it because it's just, as you said earlier, it's just so much data um, that uh, that you just can mine yeah. know, to your heart's content. Really, yeah. it's really good. Very good. So, thanks, thanks, guys, for your time. I, re I really appreciate you. Yeah, you giving us. I know you're two very busy men, so we really appreciate you taking some time here to talk to us. It has been quite interesting to you know, hear your journey, and it's quite exciting yeah. you know, with this hydrogen engine coming along, and also you know, the innovations in terms of proving out on-site refuel and the storage and stuff. So, exciting times ahead. Thank you. Uh, yeah, super exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you guys. So, thank you. Yeah, and I guess it gives you something to think about in terms of how a hydrogen engine could be integrated into the equipment you make. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. You know, we look forward to that. So we do in the near future. Excellent. No, thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview recorded at Con Expo in Las Vegas earlier this month. All that's left for me to do is to thank John and Ryan for their time and to remind you that if you have any questions, please send them through to eveequip.podcast at terex.com.
Goodbye for now.